Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Good day, everyone. This is just Ray up here in Northern Maine. And, um, you know, I've, I've been sort of praying throughout the, the whole run-up to this to just get myself out of the way so that uh, my higher powers can actually take over. Um, what happened, what it was like, you know, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, uh, three stages, experience, strength, and hope. Um, this has been a convoluted journey for me. Uh, I qualify and actually attend uh, AA and NA. Uh, but then I realized that uh, as I started to peel away the denial, peel away what was really wrong with me, uh, I realized that before anything uh I was absolutely um, powerless over lust. Uh, I was a sexaholic before I was uh, an alcoholic. It, it, it preceded everything. Um, I hope I'm speaking loud enough. Um, let's see. Well, early on, uh, I was subjected to, uh, well, can only be called, you know, uh, sexual torture uh, between the ages of 7 and 10. I was basically a silent slave uh, to baseball coaches. And then uh, later on in life, uh, you know, between the ages of 10 and 12, I my sister. And uh, so I had a very distorted view of what it all meant. I was just given a bad set of blueprints, you know. Uh, and I, I have older siblings, so I was able to watch whatever they were watching uh, on TV or cable or whatever. So I was exposed to a lot of violence and a lot of violent sexuality early on. Um, but I, I, I was astonished to find out that, um, you know, sex was heterosexual uh, for the most part uh, because that was not what uh, I had just been shown throughout uh, my, my earlier life. So... Um, when I discovered the, the proverbial stack of magazines, it was actually the stack of magazines in my dad's garage, uh, it was sort of astonishing. Like, focusing on that pulled me away. Uh, it pulled me away from what had happened to me earlier because I thought, okay, this is the way things are supposed to be. And, uh, of course, there were explicit magazines that uh, my father had neatly tried to hide, uh, but once I figured out that he had them, I sought them out every chance I could. Uh, I would even, like, leave the garage lights out 
so that I could get out into the garage and no one would walk by and see that the switch was on. Uh, and then come into the garage and catch it. I mean, I, from a very early age, I was learning how to, you know, absorb myself with this without being caught, without being detected, because, of course, it was shameful, it was dirty. Uh, I kept getting the, uh, the, the biblical portion you know, how I should be handling things. You know, you're not supposed to touch yourself. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up Catholic. To me, it didn't make much sense because from a very early age to lie. Anything was better than the truth. At least if you lied about something, you had a half a chance of being away with it for a while until another kid in the, in the household did something and it would be forgotten. Uh, but telling the truth always got me killed. It always, you know, just being honest uh, meant punishment, uh, sometimes extreme punishment. So I learned very, very early that the truth doesn't set you free. The truth gets you hurt. Um, and again, that's just all part of the uh, bad blueprints that I got. And... Uh, I was shy. I wasn't scared, an awkward kid. I was developmentally slow. I was I was in special education for uh, uh, the first 12 years, basically, of, of my my schooling. So it wasn't until I graduated from high school that my brain really started to take off. I was just a late bloomer. I was able to teach myself, you know, algebra, physics, chemistry, but I couldn't learn it in a classroom. It was, it was, strange. Um, but when I went to college, of course, um, well, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 20 years old uh, to a woman. And, uh, of course, I married her because I'm the marrying kind. You know, uh, I love the romance and it's all of it. It turns out that it was just more about the celebration than it was the actual marriage itself that uh, I had a big problem with. Uh, the most terrifying question, uh, not too long ago, the most terrifying question that a woman, my wife, could ask me was, hey, let me see your phone for a second. Uh, because then I, I, I knew that if I opened it and started cl- have feverishly closing stuff, she would know something's up. And if I just handed it to her, she'd open it and see that something is up. After, you know, looking up this and that and the other, on our deal with the Internet. And, uh, you know, that was the most terrifying question that uh, I could get. Let me see your phone for a second. My God, she's going to see that message. She's going to see, you know, see this exchange. And uh, it's, it, it led to, you know, a, a place where I no longer had it privacy. Betrayal after betrayal after betrayal. Uh, and, and I think we already know a large part of each other's stories, each other's histories. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on where it led me. Of course, infidelity, crossing gender lines, um, this, that, and the other. Uh, my problem was is I, I had to shoot both shoulders because uh, I became a member of a different state. Uh, I'm a Norseman. And so I, I have pantheon of, of Nordic. Uh, that's my faith. And, uh, you know, the fact that it's totally irrelevant in this program, 
because it's a higher power of my understanding. And uh, I used that to keep myself at bay from other anonymous programs because it's about God and God uh, in a very Christian, monotheistic, Judeo-Christian way. And uh, so I kept myself at bay spiritually. I, I chose to, instead of join the spiritual banquet, I was sort of on the side, you know, living off of bread and water with my one-liners and blue phrases. Uh, and then it dawned on me, congratulations, you're unique, just like everyone else. Uh, the only thing that matters is that sign. You know, it's, it's a, this is the way for faith that works. And uh, that terminal unique with uniqueness, uh, you know, the, the further down the road I went on, that, uh, drawing line after line, redrawing this line, okay, if it gets this bad, then I'll stop. I was constantly bargaining, trying to bargain with my disease. And uh, I realized that, uh, you know, after the last, last, last time, because I always said, you know, that I'll never do this again. It's not worth it. Uh, yet, I kept going back to it. Pretty much outlines complete powerlessness. After the last betrayal, uh, of course, my spouse had had enough. Sometimes we come to SA because of our own enlightened self-interest. Uh, we see the light or we feel the heat. And I was one of the people that arrived in this program because I felt the heat. Uh, I was in a lot of trouble. Uh, I was looking at some very, very serious things. And uh, I was talking to my psychologist about it. And he said, you know, do you think that perhaps, uh, you know, you have a sex problem because the person that you are is not the person you want to be. You know, how do you get from point A to point B, you know, living a lie, an entire lie? That must be exhausting. Well, yes, it was. It's very, very exhausting. Um, you know, I had lost all self-respect. I had lost all self-esteem. I had lost all rights to any privacy or any trust or anything like that. Probably the two most frightening words my wife could have heard was, trust me. I mean, I might as well have been saying, screw you, you know. Uh, but uh, instead of, you know, whining and complaining and dumping all of my surrenderings and the, my problems on my God, um, I have to be willing to, you know, be uncomfortable. I'm willing to do something. Um, when it's the same problem over and over that I go to my higher power with, the answer always comes back, okay, uh, we've already talked about this, Ray. Uh, what are you going to do about it? You know, you can complain about something once. You can complain about the same thing twice. But the third time, you know, what are you going to do about it? You know, my spiritual plane is, is not a dump or a landfill for my problems. I, I love higher power, and so I, I don't treat that as if they're a dumping ground. Uh, if you really love somebody, then you wouldn't do that to them. And, you know, for me, I, nothing shall be given unless something is received, and nothing shall be received unless something is given. And that's, that's my relationship with my higher power. I get out of the way and I let them do a lot of work for me. Uh, but, you know, the first time I was in a meeting and I heard someone say, you know, right before the prayer, who's driving the bus? 
and then everybody, of course, started in on the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, well, I'm probably behind the wheel of an RV with my family, cruising down at highway speed, unbuckling and then just jumping into the empty passenger seat seemed really unwise, really unwise. Um, you know, that's still somewhat a problem for me, but at least I can go with, without the gods, I cannot. But without me, the gods won't. Um, let's see. Oh, my nose. Screw this up. Anyway, I, I was like an old TV set, I, I, but I didn't have an antenna. You know, um, this, this realization dawned on me. I actually had a, a VCR DVD player uh, that was hooked up to a TV that uh, was not hooked up to any cable, wasn't hooked up to any service. I didn't you know, get any TV on it in, you know, service or anything like that. It was just a purpose for me to act out. And because I had no antenna on that TV, I had nothing new coming in. You know, uh, I was was masturbating to the point of injury, and it was still not sufficient. I think that, you know, I have caused myself... um, injury, and that that somehow wasn't enough to make me stop. Uh, anyway, moving forward, uh, as far as how I, how I look at life now, um, you know, I, I like to drive a lot. Well, I have to drive a lot because I live up in freaking nowhere. But uh, it dawned on me that as I'm looking out the front of the car, the, the rearview mirror sits right in the center of the windshield, pretty much. But it's also very, very small in comparison to your windshield. And sometimes even your side view mirrors are bigger than that. And if you stare into it for too long, you stare into that rearview mirror for too long, it will crash. Side view mirrors look behind me also, you know, characteristically, there's a blind spot. If I just rely on my side mirrors, there's huge blank spots blank to me, very dangerous things can be lurking around uh, in my blind spots. Uh, So using another traffic analogy, you know, I'm always, I have to be looking forward, but also keep one eye on where I was. Uh, Because if I don't know where I've been, then I don't know where I'm going. And another traffic analogy is whenever I'm spiritually sound, the slow driver in front of me just simply another human being who just happens to be on a different timeline. When I'm spiritually centered, I can remain patient, past them, and then wish them well, prayerfully. Safe travels for you, you know. Uh, and that's how I know I'm doing okay spiritually. Because when I'm spiritually unbalanced, I tailgate, I yell, I start calling them every name I can think of, sometimes inventing brand new ones. And um, they're my actual enemy in that moment. And uh, I don't even consider for a second that they may not even be aware I'm behind them. And I, I notice that it's pretty arrogant of me to think that uh, this person left their house today just to pull out in front of me and mess me up. You know, that, that, that's a pretty arrogant thought. Uh, when the situation is reversed and someone is sleeping behind me, but I, you know, I'm already going as fast as I really should go, you know, I try to make it easier for them to pass me, pull to the side a little bit, pull off the next place I can, and just wish them well instead of brake checking that or, or being, you know, a dangerous driver. Uh, 
And those are all things that I can do when I'm spiritually sound is that I, I'm not taking anyone's inventory. Uh, I'm at peace. Oh, this person, well, you know, they, they're in my way a little bit, but they're trying to get to where they're going and so am I, so I'll just pass the next safe place I can. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Today, life is very different. Uh, I've always had some sort of 12-step in the back of my head for the last 13 years. But I knew that if I did not throw myself into this simple program, that I was going to end up dead. And it was like that with every other addiction that I had. You know, I'm not... I've come to terms with the fact that I'm not sitting here on the phone uh, because I had a dysfunctional family or because my parents didn't protect me and treat me right, that this and that and the other happened to me, because I'm equally addicted to resentment, absolutely addicted to resentment, so that I can take the victim stance. Uh, you know, I, I can always be the victim. As long as I'm the victim of something, then everything that I do is okay. You know, as long as I isolate myself from the majority and consider myself a minority, then I can always justify what it is that I'm doing because, hey, so-and-so did blah, blah, blah to me. And, um, you know, 10 or 20 years of drunkenness will make a skeptic out of anyone. And uh, when I knew that I was looking at incarceration, I was looking at death, I was looking at because I knew what would happen to me. Um, I felt the heat enough to get into this program. And as soon as I got into this program, I met people who have come before me, people from all over the world, you know, gathering at the same time of day to talk about this. And that saved my life. Face-to-face meetings are very difficult for me. Um, it's a five-hour drive uh, to the meeting, and then there's the meeting after the meeting, and then there's the five-hour drive home and uh, worked it out now to where actually they put me on speakerphone and they placed the phone uh, in an empty chair so that I'm still there. Uh, and I'm very, very grateful for my home group for that. Uh, and I would not be where I am today if it weren't for this program. I would not be where I am today if it weren't for you guys. I would definitely not be where I am today uh, without my gods and my higher power and my connection to them. Uh, my constant contact with them throughout the day. Uh, I'm in a good place today because I don't expect anything. I'm grateful for everything. And I just try to do the best job that I possibly can now that I have the opportunity to be a good father, a good husband, a good uncle, a good human being. And this has really given me a second chance at a first-class life. And uh, for that, uh, I, I will never be sufficiently grateful. I'm contented today. I have a general operating uh, contentment throughout my day. I'm neither black or white, and I'm not entirely beige either. Uh, life happens, but I would not be here. You, you can't get to where I am today without this program from where I was. And uh, with that, I think I'm just going to close with uh, a quick prayer uh, from my own uh, little tradition 
Basically, it says, uh, here's the prayer. Do not be dismayed. Meet everything head on. Whether you live or die today is already in the hands of the gods. They know already if we will sit with them tonight. Fight well, and surely Odin will take you to Valhalla. And with that, I'll close. Thanks.